Businesses thrive by knowing customer insights because today's insights are tomorrow's facts. At iResearch, we live and breathe insights. And despite searching high and low, we were unable to find a customer insights podcast that answers one of the most important questions in business. Why do customers do what they do? So we launched one. Hi, I'm your host, Darshan Mehta. I'd like to introduce today, my talk is with Annette Franz. She is the founder and CEO of CX Journey, a global customer service strategy consulting firm that specializes in laying the groundwork required to establish a CX roadmap and strategy that will drive cultural transformation efforts. She is a keynote speaker, coach, consultant, journey mapping workshop process facilitator, influencer, and a thought leader. She loves to write, speak, teach others about customer experience, employee experience, and culture. She's also the author of Customer Understanding, Three Ways to Put the Customer in Customer Experience and at the Heart of Your Business. And she recently wrote a new book called Built to Win, Designing a Customer-Centric Culture that Drives Value for Your Business. Welcome, Annette. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great. I'm excited to have this conversation. I always love to talk about this topic and we could probably talk all day about this. <laughs> I think we could. Yeah. So you're an international recognized uh, expert in customer experience. I'd like for you to share with us your journey and some of the aha moments that got you into the customer experience space. Yeah. <laughs> I love this question because it's my journey was sort of like a zig and a zag and a big zag. <laughs> I actually, you know, I grew up on a farm in Ohio and I wanted to be a veterinarian. I love animals. And that was my passion was I'm going to be a vet. That's I'm doing that. And then once I discovered that you need six quarters of chemistry to get into vet school, I was like, chemistry is my kryptonite. Oh no. <laughs> so that didn't happen. And uh, I finished my uh, schooling, got a degree in management instead. So, so there you go. But you know, when I moved out here to uh, Southern California, I was looking in a newspaper. So we're, we're dating ourselves now, right? Because I was looking in a newspaper for a job and saw a job posting for JD Power Associates, right? And I thought, you know, I love math. I love writing market research, that's the perfect, you know, perfect place to use the combination of those two things. So, so I started working at uh, JD Power Systems. And I think that was where, you know, that's my second aha moment. The first one was, you know, six quarters of chemistry. <laughs> the second one was, you know, as, as I was working at JD Power Associates, it was just so, you know, satisfying or so fulfilling to go out and work businesses to help them understand what was and at the time the conversation was completely different you know compared to how we talk about it today but back then it was around customer satisfaction and customer loyalty and really figuring out what what makes customers satisfied what obviously then makes them loyal or where is that connection and really helping businesses to improve the business improve the experience so that customers would be satisfied and loyal so that was you know for me it was like this is really cool really I really enjoyed doing that and I enjoy seeing the results so uh, I'm curious, based on what you said, how has customer experience changed from customer satisfaction to what it is now? And what's been behind that change? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because that word wasn't a, or that phrase wasn't even a thing. So that was 30 years ago. This year, I'm celebrating my year in this profession. And, and that was 30 years ago. And we didn't even talk about customer experience then. We started talking about customer experience probably in early 2000s, like maybe around 2000 to 2003, 2004, at the time I was working for a 
to the customer platform there, uh, called Customer Sat, which has been acquired many times over the years, uh, running their you know consulting services organization. And we started having those conversations. I don't remember where the phrase customer experience came from, but then we started having the conversations around, well, what's the difference between voice of the customer and customer experience? How do they relate? Are they the same? Are they different? Obviously, they're not the same, but obviously they're related. So... And we talked about, obviously talked about customer satisfaction and customer loyalty, but now we had sort of this new phrase that we were all talking about, you know, NPS came about at some point there as well. So metrics became even more of a focus. You know, when I was at JD Power Associates, we had the the various JD Power indices, right? But, you know, going with NPS now, everybody had this one number, you know, so things things evolved in terms of the metrics and how people were tracking them and how they were using them and how they were focusing on them and, and all of that. So, but there also became a, a deeper understanding of what it really means to have a great customer experience. And that satisfaction is one thing, loyalty is another thing, but ultimately I think what we really want to see is outcomes for helping customers achieve their outcomes and helping the business ultimately then achieve their outcome, its outcomes as well. So, so yeah. So, and then, you know, it's sort of back in 2010, 2000, when the CXPA, the current professional association was started, it sort of validated this profession, validated this discipline. And so that association helped to evolve the thinking on um, customer experience as well. So, so yeah, so it's been a long road. Uh, there's still a lot more work to be done for sure, but, uh, but we're finally in a place where people are talking and using this term and maybe overusing it and abusing it, but at least people are talking about it now, right? And doing or trying to do the right thing for customers. Where does the customer experience actually begin? Well, for me, you know, I've I've got this customer experience lifecycle thing that I've drawn out, and it really begins for me at the moment of need, right? When the customer has a need, now I'm going to start doing a lot of different things to find how I'm going to solve that problem. So the the brand has to, any brand really has to be prepared to deliver a great experience from point A, right? Like way early in the life cycle, you know, to make sure that, you know, their content, their product information, their service, their phone number, all of that stuff. Like, like it begins very early on in that whole uh, life cycle, right? So for me, it's, you know, it starts back when the customer has a need and then starts doing all the things that they need to do to solve that problem or help them do whatever job it is that they're trying to do. And is there a point when it actually ends the customer experience or is this something that just uh, goes on and on? I think it goes on and on, right? You know, a lot of a lot of companies or a lot of folks think that, you know, once a customer cancels or once a customer leaves, that's it. They're no longer, you know, there's the experience is over, right? And and I believe that people are constantly watching, right? They're constantly scanning, constantly watching and seeing and hearing what brands are doing. And even if you cancel your subscription, for example, I don't know, I'll just make something up. You Netflix, you can't cancel your Netflix subscription. That has to be a great experience. It has to be an easy experience because I might come back. I might come back a year from now and be a Netflix subscriber again. But at the same time, even once I've canceled, I'm hearing all about the things that Netflix is, Netflix is doing and offering and raising their prices and all those. So I'm still in the back of my head 
you know, thinking about, will I go back to them or, or, oh, geez, I don't really like that they're doing that. So I'm never going to do business with them again, you know, that kind of thing. So it's not necessarily direct touch points or direct interactions, but you're still sort of hearing and scanning and, and really, you know, know what the brand is doing. And so it will impact future decisions in terms of whether you'll interact with them ever again. So brands should always just be putting their best foot forward. I think that's the, I think that's the message there. Yeah. I mean, and people are going to have conversations about the brand, regardless of whether you're involved or not nowadays with uh, online capabilities, reviews and everything. Do you find that many consumers with this customer experience are actually taking experiences in one industry, one product or brand, and then expecting that in other products and industries as well, if it's not related? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the Amazon effect, right? That is a, that is, it's a huge thing and it's real, you know, expectations get set here. And then I feel like I should have the same experience everywhere else I interact. And I'll get, I'll give a, an example. I'm working with a utility company client, utility company. We have, we don't really have much choice when it comes to utility companies, right? You get the one that services your area, but but we still have expectations about because we might call for service, we might need a technician to come out, we might, you know, rebase, we might, whatever it is, you know, however we're going inter- to interact, we have questions about our bill or whatever. We still expect that same, you know, simple, convenient, fast kind of kind of service that we get from Amazon or from any other brand that we interact with where we've had great experiences. So yeah, absolutely. And and when I'm working with clients, I tell them too. I say when you are you know brainstorming or ideating and working with with customers to design that future state experience. Have them bring in examples from other industries, other companies that they're buying from or interacting with. Not that you want to repeat the experience or recreate the experience that they're having with that other brand, but it brings in you know it helps you understand the expectations, the frame of reference that they're that they're, you know, working with. And, you know, you might obviously innovate and create your own great experience that captures some of those key adjectives. Like I said, fast, convenient, simple, effortless, you know, those kinds of things in your own way, right? And that's that's really key. You've said that don't uh, just be customer focused, be customer centric. What's the difference between the two? And tell me exactly what is customer centricity? One is tactical and the other is really strategic and enterprise-wide, right? So the way that I describe when somebody says, oh, we're customer-focused, it's like, yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all? You know, if, if there's a customer in front of me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can, hopefully I'm going to do what I can to make sure that the experience is great. We have a good conversation. We, I answer their questions. You know, I, I you know, move them on through the, through the purchase funnel or whatever I'm trying to do, right? So it's like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm interacting with the customer. So I'm, I'm focused on them, right? It's, it just feels to me like a very tactical kind of, kind of thing. Anytime I hear people talking about we're customer focused. Customer centric, on the other hand, is really the customer is flowing through the DNA of the organization. It's organization-wide, right? It's enterprise-wide. Everybody's doing it. Every, it's, it's a way of doing business. I think that's probably a great way to describe it. And, I, and the way that I define it is when we're customer-centered, what ends up happening is that there's no discussions, no decisions, no designs without bringing the customer voice into it, right? Without asking, how is this going to impact her? How is this going to make her feel? What value is it going to add for her? What problems will it solve for her, right? So it's those kinds of things that we do deliberately on a regular basis throughout the business, whether you're somebody on the front line or you're working in the back office, you're in IT, you're in accounts payable, you're wherever you are in the back office, it doesn't matter. We're all thinking the same way in that 
what I'm doing today, how is this going to impact the customer, right? How, how, how can I bring the customer voice into what we're doing and say, okay, this makes sense. It's going to make my job easier, but it's also going to help the customer in XYZ way. So, so that's really key is I, I, I believe that one flows through the organization, whereas the other one's sort of like, a, eh, it's kind of touchy-feely and, and very tactical. And some people do it and others don't, right? And customer focused is often in my mind, something that happens at the front line versus customer centricity is customers at the heart of the business and everything we do. So in many cases, you're almost transforming the entire organization, right? I mean, I would assume many organizations are not completely equipped or, or have strategized to this level, correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, in the book, so I have, you know, the 10 foundational principles of a customer-centric culture in the book. The first one is the culture is the foundation and it's number one for a reason, right? Because that's the only way that we're going to make sure that the organization is involved in this. And it's the only way that we're going to transform the organization is if we start with the culture and we say, you know what, customer centricity isn't just this fluffy thing, it's how we do business. And in order to do that, we need to have the culture that's going to support and facilitate a, that type of uh, thinking and doing throughout the organization. And so I define culture as core values plus behaviors. And so we've the, so core values, we've got to have some core values that are customer driven, right? You can have whatever core values you want, but you definitely want to have some core values that are customer driven and then define the behaviors that the acceptable and the unacceptable behaviors associated with each one of those core values so that employees know what's right and what's wrong. Right. And I'll give you an example. I have a client that had, you know, they were having some issues. They were talking about how their frontline was constantly butting heads with customers. They were constantly questioning, why, why do customers ask for that? Why do they want that? They, they're just calling us because they want things for free and they're returning and they're, they're doing all these things just to take advantage of us, right? And so it created a really ugly, <laughs> as you can imagine, a really ugly sort of environment in the organization, but also for customers, right? And with customers. And so we took a look at their core values and we added a core value of uh, customer trust. We, we went through, a, I mean, it didn't just happen like that. We threw a, a lot of work to get to that point, but we added a core value called customer trust. And we defined that. What are the behaviors that are, are acceptable and what are the behaviors that are not acceptable? You know, what does it mean? And I followed up with the client, you know, a couple months later after we had rolled that out, because obviously it's not just enough to just say, hey, this is now a core value. You needed to socialize and operationalize that. And she said, it's just easy now. It's just all easy because everybody knows how we do business. Everybody knows what we do and why we do it and how we do it. And customer trust is at the heart of that, you know. And so, so I think that's a great example of why it's so important and why the culture has to be the foundation. So tell me the relationship between employee centricity and customer centricity, because it sounds like they're very related, right? They're very related. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny because um, that you asked that because somebody had posted that question or that thought on LinkedIn yesterday in response to something that I had posted. And I was like, they're almost one and the same, right? When I, when I talk about a customer-centric culture, it's really a people centric culture. So if you go and look at those 10 principles, there most of them are about the people, right? So I say, you know, employee experience must come more first. And that's not a typo, like I say in the book, it's more. So if we put customers first, we have to put employees more first, right? We have to 
realize that the employee experience drives the customer experience. Employees build the products, they sell the products, they service the products, they deliver the service, they all of these things. So if we don't take care of our employees and we and we ensure that they're more first, the customer is going to suffer, right? The customer is going to suffer. And so and three of the other foundational principles are, you know, people before products, people before metrics, and people before profit. And when I talk about people, I'm talking about both employees and customers. I mean, I think that's one of the one of the areas of customer experience that has, you know, just really suffered a lot over the years is the employee experience. When I first started working at JD Power and Associates, I would talk to my clients and say, hey, we don't listen to employees too. And they'd say, we'll listen to them later. You know, we'll do that later. Let's start with customers. <laughs> and I I was just talking to somebody recently and I said, well, it's later. <laughs> and we've just gone through this whole great resignation or great reset or whatever we're talking about. And employees are, you know, now this is what happens, you know? So if we really need to take care of our employees. So to me, to go back to your question, employee centricity, customer centricity, they go together. I mean, there's, there it really, I mean, I could have just called the book you know, or talked about being people centric, and that would have probably. But I wanted to make that connection for for the business to outcomes, and everybody knows the word customer centricity and customer centric, even though they don't all necessarily know what it means or how to get there. But everybody knows that, and so it was easier to just start with, "Hey, let's build this customer centric organization, this customer centric culture." And quite honestly, you're you need to focus on your employees to get that go. So and and that's why, you know, with culture being the foundation, with that being the number one principle, that is all about that is all about your employees too. Because, you know, if you've got a great culture, that just leads right into um, the employee experience as well. What do you find are three common mistakes that most brands do and how do you overcome them and get to be more people centric in terms of the culture? Wow, that's a good one. I would say take all 10 of those principles and negate that. And that's that's 10, 10 of the issues, right? But I think I think probably the number one thing is that leadership really can that the so or the CEO doesn't understand that a customer-centric culture is one that's deliberately designed. Any culture is one that is deliberately designed to be the way that it is, right? And so you're either going to get the culture that you design or the one you allow. And a lot of folks just allow. <laughs> they don't design, they just allow. So I think that's a big thing. I think the second thing is like we just talked about the employee experience. I think that that there there hasn't been a focus on the employee experience and there still isn't. I know COVID and the pandemic and all of that really sort of shifted the thinking on that, but there's still a lot of pushback in terms of what means and what we need to do for our employees and how do we make sure that we take care of them, right? Um, and then I think probably the third mistake is that the companies listen to customers, but they don't do anything with it. They tend to focus on the metric and they don't do anything with the feedback, which is really the golden nugget that's going to get from here to there, right? And so so they, they listen, but they just check a box and say, we did it and then don't do anything with it. So, so it sounds like one of your first challenges often is really... Uh, changing the mindset of leadership. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got to build the business case. We've got to tell the stories. We've got to help them understand what it means to go from A to B and why that's so important and show them, you know, examples of companies who have done it and and have been successful as a result of that. So I think that's that's really it really is the first first part of that. So you know I always wonder because uh, you know leadership is obviously they wear multiple hats, they're consumers as well, and they purchase and have experiences. So I'm wondering, 
Do you know what happens when they come into, you know, from their role as consumers or purchasers and managers and leadership that they have that disconnect? <laughs> I don't know. I always, I pose that when I'm on stage, right? And I'm doing a presentation and I say, you know, what happens to employees? And it's not just employees, it's leaders. You're absolutely right. It's leaders too. What happens to them when they cross the throat into their offices, right? They suddenly take off, do they take off their customer hat and just forget that? I don't know. But the bottom line, I think really is that, is that they walk into this, you know, you cross that threshold in the office and you walk into this culture that is okay with how we're, you know, leadership isn't caring about their employees. The culture isn't one that's been deliberately designed to put people first. And so they suffer, you know, and, and it's, it's, I, that's the only answer that I come up with. It's between leadership, not getting it and the culture not having the, you know, just allowing the culture that they get, which ultimately means everybody suffers. So. Sure. You talk a lot about customer mapping. Uh, tell us first, what is customer mapping? And why is it so important? So journey mapping, I'm assuming you're talking about journey mapping. So journey mapping is a way for us to walk in our customer's shoes, right? It's a it's a it's an exercise that we do with our customers. We bring customers in. We certainly bring customer data and customer feedback into the workshops that we do. But it's an exercise that we do where we capture. First of all, we we say, okay, what experience are we going to map? So let's say, for example, we're going to map the experience of purchasing an item online, right? So we say, you know, point A is going to be, you know, you had that need. What did you do from that moment on to when you actually completed the purchase and, you know, the product was delivered? But the key things that we capture in a journey mapping workshop are what is the customer doing, thinking, and feeling, right? We want to obviously understand the, the steps in detail. And then what were their needs along the way? What were their, and what were their emotions? How did we make them feel each step along the way? Was it surprised? Did we frustrate them? You know, what, what, how did we make them feel along the way? And then, you know, we capture other things in the journey maps as well. You know, we can capture channel and people and and documents and those kinds of things that they've used or interacted with along that journey as well. But it, it really is a way for us to, again, walk in their shoes and experience what they're experiencing, you know, in, in a way that will allow us to say, ah, Let's talk about aha moments. You know, I've often had CEOs come into those workshops and they'll sit there and it is an aha moment moment for them, right? They'll be like, I didn't even know that we put our customers through all of that or that we make them feel that way. Oh, I don't like that. We frustrate them here or, you know, those kinds of things. And and a lot of times when that happens, it just for them it snaps and they're like, we gotta fix this, you know. And so it really is a a really eye-opening exercise for for companies to participate in or to observe. What are some of the best ways you found to get into the mind of the customer? Well, there's two things that I would say. First of all, listening, obviously listening to them, right? And that's an important way, whether that's through feedback, you know, that they leave us wherever they leave us, or we ask them specific questions. We do we do focus groups or we'll do interviews or those kinds of things, but talking to customers. I mean, you can't get inside inside their minds without actually talking to them. The other uh, thing that we do is develop personas, and when we develop those personas, again, we're we're talking to customers. We have to we have to have those conversations to really find out what are their needs, what are their pain points, what problems are they trying to solve, so that we can then take that information and and go and design the experience and design uh, products, design whatever it is that we're doing, so that it meets their needs and helps them solve the problems that they're trying to solve. So it's getting in their minds is and hard. This is really about start or starts with having conversations and talking to them. 
you know, it seems like a lot of brands are looking always ways to differentiate. And to me, it seems customer experience is a great area for differentiation. Are there any examples you can think of a couple of brands that are really doing things very differently and, have, and are changing that whole uh, experience of differentiating themselves? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I always say, you know, if, uh, you know, as products and services become more and more commoditized, customer experience really is that one true de- differentiator. And, and when I start working with new clients, I'll always ask, you know, why? Why did you bring me on? Why? Why do you? Why this change now? What's What's going on? And I've got a couple of clients that I'm working with right now that have said, "Well, we're, you know, our market right now is commoditized. Right? We're all the same. We all offer the same thing. We all do the same thing. Price isn't really blah blah blah, whatever. So we really want to stand out by delivering an experience that is, you know." head and shoulders above what anybody else in this market or in this industry is doing. So yeah, so that's a, that is a, it's, it's real. It's, (laughs) I've seen it happen. I would say in terms of brands that, that are doing this really well right now. Well, let's, let's see, where shall we start? Where shall we start naming some of the, some of the usual suspects, right? You know, I mean, Starbucks, Zappos, who else would I throw in that bucket right now? The Ritz Carlton. I mean, you could go on and on. Some of these companies that are really well known for, hey, I want to go there because when I go there, I have this great experience. Or, hey, I would rather shop there. I would rather go here because they care of me or because I get the, you know, Amazon, right? I mean, I can't leave them off the list and for, uh, for a variety of reasons. But, you know, I get... I pay today and buy tomorrow, get it tomorrow. Target, I always use Target as an example too. I, it's They've made, you know, especially during COVID, this whole curbside pickup and, you know, the the seamless experience between their app and the store and the, and the you know, desktop version, their website and all of that. It's, it just makes for a great experience and it, and it's, you know, differentiates them from other uh, retail outlets as well. So, so those, those are the kinds of things that I'm seeing. I guess uh, when you talk about customer experience, what percentage of that would you say is actually personalizing the experience versus, let's say, making it easier, more frictionless? It seems to me a lot of it is personalization. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, and and this is a this is a hot topic right now. And I think if we personalize, it, the result is is that it's easier and it's effortless. And you know, so it so if we think about all of the customer expectations right now, and we know those because we talk to our customers and we we understand what their expectations are. But if we think about that whole list of things where you know it's convenient, it's fast, it's effortless, it's simple, it's you know it's it you know memorable, you know, all those kinds of things, they all start with delivering a personalized experience. So yeah, absolutely, I think there's a huge connection there, and I don't think that's going to be. I think. Once we've gotten a taste of that, we're more willing to give up some of our data so that companies can make it easier for us by really personalizing that experience. And with everybody focusing on customer experience and then increasing the level of customer experience, uh, one, how do companies keep up with all of that? And two, what, what's kind of the next level that you're seeing coming down the, you know, the avenue here in terms of customer experience, in terms of where it's going to be heading? So I think the key thing is, is that we have to listen to our customers. We have to listen to them. We have to take the time to understand them. That's how we're going to get ahead, stay ahead, right? If we drop off on that, if we don't take the time to really understand our customers, it's going to be a challenge going forward because expectations change, customers change, the business changes, the products we got, the industry, the market, the economy, all of those things change. So we really have to constantly have a pull on, on our customers and 
what they're thinking and what they're doing and why they're, you know, what their needs and pain points and problems to solve are and why they're doing what they're doing, you know, kind of thing. So I think that's the first, the first thing that's really important. Going forward, I think that, you know, I think AI and automation are going to play a huge role both in the experience and in the customer experience, right? The automation is not about taking your jobs away. It's about making inefficient things more efficient, right? And taking some of those menial tasks and repetitive tasks off of the employee's plate so they can spend more time focusing on the customer and the customer experience, you know, that kind of thing. But I always put a caveat around that by saying, you know, there's some shiny objects out there about what the future of customer experience looks like or might look like. But there are still so many companies that don't even have the basics down yet, the foundation, the fundamental things that have to be in place to deliver a great experience that that's really where a lot of companies still need to their time and effort is, is in those basics, right? Because if you dive into all the shiny objects and forget about the fact that, you know, there's the culture, there's the employee experience, there's all these things internally that have to be a lot, you know, in, in line, the shiny objects are going to, they'll, they'll, you'll fail at that. <laughs> the foundation has to be there. That's the, that's the key. What role do you think augmented reality is going to play in the future with customer experience? And do you have any examples of any brands that are actually, you know, at the cutting edge of using all augmented reality right now? Yeah, I think it, there will be a, a role, but it's not it's not an area that I'm paying a lot of attention to right now. And I actually don't think brands, very many brands are at this point too. And again, I would just go back to saying that there's still so many that need to find the basics that if they're looking at AR and VR right now, they're probably getting ahead of themselves. So... What area of customer experience would you like to delve into more and why? Probably, I would say probably, oh, wow, probably the employee experience. I, I think that there's not enough attention on that right now. There's not enough understanding there of what's going on in employees' minds and why, what, you know, all of that. So, and, you know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago and she said, you know, there's all these lists out there of CX experts and CX thought leaders and CX influencers. But if you look at EX, there's, there's no list. <laughs> there's no list. And so I was like, you know what? You're right. That's a, that's an interesting. So I actually, when I got home, I, I actually Googled it to see if I could find a list and I couldn't find a list. So, so it's an area that is, I mean, and we're seeing, again, we're seeing that with, with all the issues that we're, we're hearing about with the employee experience. So I think that's an area that not only I want to dig into, I've spent time, I've already spent a lot of time there, but it's an area that I want to be talking about more and encouraging people to spend more time there, right? Because it's, it, it's an important part of it's an important part of the business, period. You know, that's it. What role do you think COVID and the, you know, the virus has, has played on this shift in focus for employees? Yeah, I think it's put them front and center, right? You know, and it's funny when we talk about essential employees, you know, two years ago, and we don't, I'm not taking anything away from frontline, you know, any of that, but they're all essential. <laughs> that's, that's my thinking. Every employee in the business has a role. You've hired them for a reason let's take care of them and let's make sure that they can do their jobs and do them well. So yeah, I think COVID is just, ampl- or the pandemic has just amplified. amplified, amplified yeah. That. yeah. Who in the world of customer experience would you love to have lunch with and why? Mm, the first person that pops into my head is, and you know, he's no longer with us, but um, Tony Shea, he would have been, you know, I would have loved to just sit and pick his brain about, you know, 
where he got to where he was and and what he, what he was thinking when he built you know the whole you know culture at Zappos and and what's next and all of you know all of those kinds of so so, so he would have been my top pick. I I think any of the leaders that I mentioned in the book and and the things that they've done with their businesses, I would happily spend love with them. So there's, for example, there's Gary Ridge with WD40. There's Howard Schultz, who's obviously back in, <laughs> back in, back in the business again. So there's the co-founders of Airbnb. There's uh, who else? Who else is in the book? There's the CEO of Chobani and his whole anti-CEO playbook and about putting, you know, people before profits and, you know, those kinds of things. So, so there's some, there's some really cool leaders in the world today that are doing very cool things and, and putting people first. So I, I would, wouldn't mind having lunch with any one of them because I think, you know, you ask about specifically, specific, specifically about customer experience, but I think it starts at the top, right? So I think that's, that's the place I would go. Sounds great. Well, I want to thank you very much for uh, your conversation today and telling us about customer experience and uh, all the nuggets you gave us. I really appreciate it. That. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Getting to AHA was brought to you by iResearch. To find out more about us, head to iResearch.com. And make sure to search for Getting to AHA in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. And don't forget to click follow to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you for listening.